Welcome to Prepare for Takeoff. I'm the creator and host, Terry L. Cyrus. We're the podcast dedicated to amplifying black excellence. Every week, we sit down with a proven professional or rising entrepreneur. And this week is no different. We are always bringing the movers and shakers to you. And we do that every Wednesday at 7 a.m. We are bringing people who are making a difference in the community. And this person, she's making a difference in communities throughout the Southeast and beyond. And the person in question is somebody that I've known for 30, at least 30 years. I don't want to tell our age though. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to welcome to the platform my really good friend, Angela L. Brown. What's up? I call her Angie though. What's up, Angie? Yeah, I, I answer to both. I'm doing great. How are you tonight? You know what? I'm blessed and highly favored. And it's always, um, you know, just a, you know, a, a welcome addition when I can bring people to the platform that I've known both professionally and personally. So salute to you and all of the great things that you're doing in the community. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I am happy, happy to be here. I, you know, I'm glad to hear it. So now I know as, you know, we, as, as I mentioned to our audience, we were, we go back some years and a lot of people who watch our show every day. And I want to, you know, not only can you catch us on the day we drop, you can catch us, you know, you can consume, prepare for takeoff all week long and catch up on all of the latest episodes, but make, make sure you subscribe. But nonetheless, I'm sure people have heard me on, uh, all of the episodes. It seems like I always make it a point to make mention of my roots, realizing that I'm from West Virginia. I'm very proud of my roots, born and raised in Charleston, West Virginia, and you too have West Virginia roots. So tell us a little bit about your roots and, and kind of how that helped you prepare for takeoff. Yes, uh, I do want to say this. You said 30 years. I think it's a little closer to 40 years, but again, we don't want to tell our age. <laughs> I know. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> yeah, but you're absolutely right. I'm the same exact way. Born and raised in Bluefield, West Virginia. Still to this day, that's always going to be home. I haven't lived there for several years now, but if anybody asks me, I will always say, I live in so-and-so, but I'm from West Virginia. I live in North Carolina, but I'm from West Virginia. So I'll, I'll always be that West Virginia girl, for sure. Absolutely. Now, being that you're from Bluefield, and that's right on the border of Virginia, actually one part of the town is in Virginia, the other part is in West Virginia. Right. Now, being from a smaller town, um, how did, did did that prepare you for life as you as, as you um, come to realize it to be outside of West Virginia? Or I should say, how did that prepare you for um, how you matriculated from Bluefield um, on a high school level and then going all the way to, uh, to the to the northern part of the state at West Virginia University? Like, were there any challenges coming from a small town or did it kind of prepare you that the sky was the limit? Oh, there were definitely some challenges to say the least. And it was because one, I was from a small town Two, a lot of people find this very hard to believe, but I was very shy, painfully shy. And even now in some situations, I'm still shy. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. But the third thing was my grandmother spoiled me like crazy. So when it was time to go to college, I had to go in and learn fast. I left Bluefield, went to Morgantown, cried for probably the first three weeks, <laughs> you know, no joke. But then I had to get it together, you know, because I had to learn how to wash clothes. I didn't know how to cook. I had to get myself up. I had to, you know, do all of the things as this little West Virginia girl from Bluefield, first generation college student, no less. I had to get it together or else I was going to have to go home, you know? 
And you wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I, I, I didn't think I wanted to go, but once I got out, I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> you know, right. WVU, number one party school back in the day. So I, I was having a good time. So I need to make I needed to make sure I did the right thing so I could continue to, you know, stay on that path. Plus, I didn't really want to disappoint my family. Like I said, first generation college student. I had you know, big shoes that they were looking at me to make sure that I filled when I got through, not the four-year plan, but the five-year plan that I was on, I came home with that paper. And, and that's huge. I mean, I'm sure that that's something that they still celebrate to this day, realizing you're the first-generation college graduate. And um, I'm sure that was a lot of that. I'm sure that was, A, was it was a pretty, you know, heavy burden that yeah. I'm sure you felt in school, realizing that you couldn't disappoint your family. But then there was also, um, I'm sure that, that kind of served as footsteps for other people in your family to follow, realizing that, hey, you know what? If my loved one can do it, so too can I. And, and, and that's big. And I think that's kind of what drives us on the platform to show people examples of people who look like them, who are succeeding on a high level, regardless of your background, whether you're from a small town, big city, whether you're from under-resourced community or you come from, uh, you know, a life of privilege, you're going to always find challenges. Like I, I've never, I've yet to meet a person who didn't feel like life came with some kind of challenge. And, you know, those people who are privileged, they feel that same pressure to continue to carry on the family name. And they feel like, you know, can I live up to my father or grandfather's, um, you know, can I, can I, can I, can I live up to that standard? Or do you have somebody that's from, you know, under-resourced communities, whether that's the projects, whether that's from, you know, tenements or, or mm -hmm. as we know them in West Virginia, shanties, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you know, living in the holla as they call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and if that's all, you know, and that's all you see, then you, you, you will, you, you will slowly uh, relegate your yourself into believing this is my destiny. And it's not at all. I, and, you know, one of the things that I want to do, I want to lead by example. And I'm, I come from humble beginnings. I'm from West Virginia as, as Angie is. And, and I know when I transitioned from the state, very similar to what you were saying, because I didn't have that wake up call until I actually left the state. Because yeah. as much as I wanted to leave the state, my parents was like, you're going to West Virginia state. <laughs> Right, right up right now, like the school is so close, as you know, you can see the school from behind my parents' house. And I was determined that I was leaving the state. Well, that determination wasn't realized until I got that piece of paper, as you mentioned. You know, yeah. in our generation, a lot of times now, the kids, they're all about they want to be an influencer. They want to be yeah. they want they they want to be a, a entrepreneur, and they don't see. The, they, they don't place, it seems, um, va value in education that we place, you know, in it. And because we were told right. by our loved ones, no, you're going to college. And, oh, yeah. And, and that was something that I knew I had to do. I knew I had to give my parents that piece of paper. And then I felt like that now put me in a position where I could explore the world as I saw fit. Because now that I had satisfied that, um, that expectation, then I moved to New Jersey, as you know, and I've been up here ever yeah. since. And and the same holds true. No matter, I've been here for a long time. But if someone asked me, "Hey, although I've been here for a long time, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia, West Virginia, yeah. and, and and Dunbar to be exact." 
yes. <laughs> yeah. So now, what was your major at West Virginia University? I majored in psychology, and then I had a minor in Africana studies. Okay. Now, when you first got there, and what 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 prompted you to not to 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 um, migrate to that to to that area of discipline? Well, when I first got there, believe it or not, I wanted to be an attorney. Like up until I went to college, I was like, I'm going to law school. I'm going to law school. But then when I got to college, it was kind of like what I mentioned before. I got there and and didn't really know much about life. And I did want to add, you were talking about being a role model and people looking up to you and all of that. I have a younger sister who is three years younger than me. So not only was I going there as a first generation college student, I was going there and my sister was watching and she actually ended up transferring to WVU from North Carolina A&T. Um, she came there after I graduated. So she is a WVU grad as well. But um, after I got there, after being a straight-A student with a partial scholarship to WVU, the, I got all the other stuff together. I learned how to get the clothes washed and, you know, food together and all of that. But the partying took a little bit more of a priority than the classes initially. So law school went out the window. And, and honestly, I didn't even want to do it anymore. I got to the point where I still wanted to help people, but just not legally not on that level and so i think part of it was um the whole mental health part of it which is kind of a buzzword these days but once i got into that first psychology one-on-one and started learning about behaviors and all of that that's kind of what took me in the direction of the psychology major and then africana studies i was part of the first group that received that minor or certificate it was at the time um, because I worked at the Center for Black Culture and Research at West Virginia University, and they were people that spearheaded it. So why wouldn't I, you know, take advantage of that? And I'm so glad I did because that kind of molded me to be part of who I am today as well, because we didn't learn a whole lot of black, about Black history in Bluefield, but I definitely made up for it after I got into that program. And it's funny that you say that because I know a lot of people who attend the PWIs um, they feel like there was a lot that we had and probably even took for granted having attended an HBCU that they mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have at their disposal at a PWI. And I, and right. it's so good to um, hear that despite some of these universities being, you know, predominantly white institutions, they have centers for people of color where mm-hmm. they, they, they can get some of that, as far as you know, digging into their culture, having a having an understanding of their roots in a way that, quite frankly, they didn't teach us in school. I didn't know who Malcolm, and it's it's sad to say, I did not know who Malcolm X was until I heard his name in a rap song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh, I believe it. Right, and 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 I would say that the schools, be it West Virginia University, West Virginia State, it seems like they do a better job than on the primary and secondary um, level. And, you know, as far as throughout the K through 12, especially in West mm-hmm. Virginia, growing up there, they, yeah. it seemed like other than Martin Luther King, you didn't know of anyone else of color of any significance as it pertains to those who contributed to life as we know it. But then once you, once I graduated, then not only did I hear things in rap songs, mm-hmm. but I also had those reinforcements 
when I attended West Virginia State because the faculty members, a lot of them were melanated like me. I was right. going to school with people. Not only were they melanated, but they were from different parts of the country where they had a higher they, they had a higher ratio of people of color in those cities than they did maybe in Charleston. So, yeah. and, and, and I think too, a lot of people, this, that's why college is so important because it takes you out of your bubble, whether your bubble is the South side of Chicago or whether your uh, bubble is the West side of Charleston, mm-hmm. you have to remove yourself from that bubble so that you can expand. And that's what, again, that's what we want to do here. We want to help prepare you for takeoff because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there it's like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And well, there, there might be things that they want to do and they don't necessarily think they can do. And I'm sure you may have very well experienced that when you were in college. Hey, I, I went there with one thing in mind. And then based on my exposure, I've kind of changed my mind. I want to do something completely different. Yeah. And, and we should give our children the license to do that rather than kind of, you know, tell them this is what you, this is what you're going to do. It's very important that we we, we nurture who they want to be. Because yeah. nobody is going to excel at, at doing what it is they're told to do. Ask your children, what is, what is it that you want to do? I ask adults, hey, what is it that you want to do? In a perfect world, what would you want to do professionally? And let's see what we can do to make that a reality. Right. So, and, 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 and again, similar to you, I went there not necessarily knowing what I wanted to do. And my brother and sister, they majoring in business I mm-hmm. and I ended up ma- majoring in business but that wasn't something that I had no idea that one day I was going to have a company I was just yeah. following my brother and sister yeah and it was those classes that I took that kind of made me change my the, the classes that taught me more about people like us that made me say you know what I find these classes to be more of interest and I changed yeah. my major to sociology yeah so we have that in common. So now after you graduated from West Virginia State, and then also shout out to your sorority sister, sisters, the 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 the, the lovely ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So um Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> so now after you um graduated from West Virginia University, did you go back to Bluefield or or did you go somewhere else? I actually stayed in Morgantown for a little over three years. So my first job out of college was recruiting for the freshman class from West Virginia University. So I was out here, Miss Little Miss Bluefield, but my territory was Ohio, New Jersey, New York, Maryland, and D.C. And to top it all off, I had just gotten my driver's license. So for all of those years that I didn't drive, I made up, you know, for, for that because we were driving everywhere to go and set up a table and recruit. I actually was the, the minority student recruit person. So we were going out doing just like you said, making sure that the kids in these neighborhoods and these areas saw someone who looked like them. So I was that person and I went out and talked and spoke. And so here we go with this, you know, like I said, shyness being from Bluefield and out literally in front of hundreds of students and teachers and counselors and principals talking about WVU and what a great place, you know, that it was. But I do want to backtrack. You asked me that question, but I want to say one thing you were talking about asking the kids, what do they want to do? And how you even ask adults, what do they want to do? Because as children, a lot of times people don't ask us what we want to do. As adults, we don't always know what we want to do. So 
I just wanted to touch on that a little bit and thank you for saying that so everybody that's listening can kind of take that to heart because sometimes we don't know what we want to do because we've never been asked because we were always told this is what you're going to do. So, but just back back to what I said. Yeah, so I left Morgantown after three years. I worked there as a recruiter. I went back to where I started at the Center for Black Culture and Research as an advisor and ended up advising a few of the students that I had recruited there. And then after that, I left and moved to your neighborhood, your neck of the woods, Charleston, West Virginia. So um, I, I went all the way around just to go back you know, down to the more southern part of the state. Now, now, how long did you stay in Charleston before you realized, okay, you know what? This is what I realized. Like, Charleston is the city mm-hmm. as it pertains to West Virginia. And I said, right. okay, if I hit my ceiling in Charleston, I don't think I'm going to go anywhere else in the state and, and find a higher ceiling, which is why I was right. so motivated to want to leave. So how long did it take you to come to that realization? And when you did, where did you uh, relocate to? It took me exactly one year, so not long at all. <laughs> Quick study. <laughs> not long at all. And I lucked out. It was it was actually a blessing because when I went to Charleston, I went there uh, working for State Farm Insurance. They went through a whole reorganization within the company, and they actually paid for anyone that was interested to move to Maryland. So from Charleston, I went to Frederick, Maryland, and I was in the D.C., Maryland area for um, 12 years. So I was in Frederick. I was in Gaithersburg. I was in DC. I was in Randallstown, which is Baltimore County. Um, I, I kind of moved throughout that whole area. I got out of West Virginia and went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so now what was that transition like for you? Oh boy. It was, it was exciting to say the least. I was ready. Like you said, it, it took a year because, you know, I went from Bluefield and then I went to Morgantown and once you know, graduated and worked there, worked for the school that I loved and still love, but I felt like I was getting older and everybody else was getting younger. And so I was like, all right, I got to go. And I went to Charleston. The biggest change from going from West Virginia to Maryland was the expenses. You know, the cost of living was a huge, huge change. But, you know, I, I rolled with the punches. And as we say these days, I was able to pivot and just go out. I ended up getting a part-time job. You know, it was like a whole thing, but I never regretted it. I don't think if I hadn't gone when I went, I don't know that I would have gone. So I was, I was ready. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, in order to grow, you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure you, and, and when we're younger, it's easier to do that because yes. we're all creatures of habit. So if, my normal is West Virginia, and it's been that since I was in my teens or even childhood, or even I know people who went to West Virginia to school and they still and, and they stay there and make that right. their home. And so I think we all are creatures of habit. And once we find something that gives us them you know, some peace of mind, then you know, we 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 tend to stay there and wrap our hands our arms around it. But then there's also people who want to leave and they're afraid to leave. Yeah. And and I think it's no different than people who are afraid to pursue other passions. They're 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 afraid. I know people who are afraid to retire I mean, as we're yeah. as, we, as we're getting older. There are people like, hey, you know what? Even though I'm eligible for retirement, this is all I know. And we, we want to encourage those people. Hey, listen, 
follow your dream, pursue your passions. And, and it's a lot easier to do that if you've done it at a certain point in time in your life. And you've, and you seem to have been somebody who you've done that every step of the way you were that. And I still don't believe it. Shy girl. (laughs) I've never known you to be shy, but I'm going to take you at your word. You was a shy girl from Bluefield who then went to Morgantown, which you're right. It was the party school of America. Mm-hmm. Well-documented. Even when I moved here, they was like, oh, yeah, West Virginia University, that is the party school of yeah. America. Yeah. So you went there, you navigated that, and then you navigated promoting the school in these different parts of the country that you probably had never been to. Right. And, those, and, and, and those people, because I live in, in a large metropolitan area, people here are different. So mm-hmm. now, not only were you there, but you had to convince them, hey, listen, I am an example of who you can be. Yeah. And then after that, you realize, okay, I'm hitting a ceiling. And then you went to Charleston, I find another ceiling, and I'm going to keep on climbing. And then I'm in, then, then I'm, I find myself in Maryland. And then you were there for 12 years. So then what made you leave Maryland? And where did you go next? Um, well, I can't believe I'm actually telling this story. I, I have shared it before, but when it first happened, I was so embarrassed and so ashamed and so just scared. But I actually, um, I had left State Farm Insurance and I was doing pharmaceutical sales. And I had got, I had been at three different companies and gotten laid off two of the times because those companies were always going through kind of a reorg at all times, restructuring. At the third company, I actually got fired. And I was devastated because I lost my benefits. I lost my car. I lost, you know, everything on a Tuesday, you know, Wednesday. I had none of that stuff because we had company cars. I paid your cell phone bills back then, you know, all of that. And so um, I was blessed to have those friends that jumped right in. And I had a girlfriend that gave me a car to use and, you know, all of the things. And I ended up staying in Maryland and starting a business, um, an event planning business. That was my first business. But um, my grandparents, my grandfather, to be specific, got sick. And so I ended up going back to West Virginia, which I was able to do that. If I had had that job, you know, I look back on it now. I was like, I always say everything happens for a reason. But at the time, I was like I said, I was devastated. Like, what in the world am I going to do? You know, but if I had still had that job when my grandfather got sick, would I have left the job? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have to make that decision because I didn't have the job. <laughs> I had the right. business, which I took with me, you know, to Bluefield, lucked out and got an office at Bluefield State. That's a whole another story for another day. But um, I was able to just pick up, put everything in storage, move to Bluefield and go help my grandparents out. And so that was kind of how that transition ha- happened. It wasn't really... Um, Something that I sat back and said, this is what I'm going to do because I am a planner, I'm a Virgo at heart. <laughs> so I'm usually like, I got to do this, 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 and this. But for that, this happened and I was able to, you know, kind of pick up and, and roll with it because I didn't have to make that decision about this, you know, cushy job that I have now that what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to navigate this? And so I'm, I went back to West Virginia and I ended up being there for the next seven or eight years um just going through that with my grandfather and my grandmother and then one of my aunts and moving back home talk about a a big big difference you know it was like 
nowhere to shop, nowhere to eat, <laughs> you know, nowhere to really do anything. But on the weekends, I was able to still travel back and forth and hang out with friends. So it, it was all good. So now, and, and I'm so thankful that you shared that, um, that story and, you know, your willingness to be vulnerable about something like that, because many people go through that. We all have setbacks in life. I've had them myself. Yeah. Now, what did that setback teach you? And before you were ashamed to tell people, but now you, I'm sure you see some of the things that you learned from that setback. What are some of those things that you learned that has helped you continue to propel and soar um, professionally? Yeah. Well, one thing for sure is you can't always plan. You know, it, it definitely helped me to realize when the time comes and I need to pivot or I need to, you know, make a change. I just have to do it. There's, you know, you might have a, a day or two to really be sad about it or whatever, but you know, life goes on because the bills didn't stop. Mortgage didn't stop. Um, I still had to move forward. So that has helped me for sure in the world of entrepreneurship. You know, there are no two days that are alike. <laughs> and so when that happened, I will say I got it all at once, you know what I mean? Like it, it came and it happened and I had to really scramble to, to make it happen. But that was definitely my biggest lesson from that situation to get me, you know, to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Now, when you move back now, I know this is, this, this is one of the things that I came to realize. Mm -hmm. I know when, because again, I, I thought I was from the city. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and when people would come to Charleston from other cities and they would say, oh, it's, it's slow here. It's this, it's that. I would be, I, I would be offended. Like, what are you talking about? We got a mall. We got this, we got that. Right. What are you talking about? But then once you leave mm -hmm. and you, and you sit and you spend an extensive amount of time outside of West Virginia yeah. and then you come back. Then you begin to realize, I see what they were talking about. It's night and day different. I'm forever grateful that that's where I grew up. But trust me, it's completely different. And there's so many things that we take for granted being in large metropolitan areas that when you go back home, even to visit. Yeah. When, to your point, you mentioned shopping. Um, like the mall, as we knew it as kids, no longer exists. Right. And, you know, there's one place that everybody seems to go, which is quarter G. And mm -hmm. I, I guess things come full circle because when I was a kid, there was no mall. And now, you know, people, they shopped on Capitol Street and some of the other streets downtown Charleston. But it is night and day different. And it's almost it's, it's it pains me to say it. It's almost depressing because mm -hmm. life as I knew it and, and, and as I still remember it in my mind as a child, yeah. it's not that anymore. Even when I go to my old neighborhood, it used to be kids everywhere. Kids on their bikes, kids outside playing. And then you go back, there's nobody outside. You know, some of the houses are, are, are slowly running down. And it's just, it's it's like, it's, it's sad because it seems like the things that made West Virginia this, you know, almost heaven, West Virginia, mm -hmm. you know, there's, 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 there's a, there's a weather, there's a weather pattern that's coming and it's, it is cloudy, <laughs> you know? So what I want to do is I want to say, Hey, listen, it, 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 no matter where you are, you can prepare for takeoff. There's going to be clouds. 
There's gonna be there's clouds here. They're just different clouds. They're called financial clouds. <laughs> right. you know, it, it's, it, it's it's very expensive to live in large metropolitan areas. But what it does teach you is it teaches you the importance of, like you said, lacing up your bootstraps and being competitive. And I think also having, um, you know, joined the fraternity myself at an early age, it teaches you about the world of possibilities because there's so many people that you see that you have that common denominator um, with as it pertains to like, wow, if, and I mean, to, to just to be able to associate yourself with someone like a Michael Jordan or Shaquille O'Neal and Jesse Jackson, Earl Graves, he's like, well, if these men that's in my same organization can succeed at that level, then that's going to be my bar. And that's ultimately what I do. I want to do not just for just people in my fraternity, but, and not even just for the people in the divine nine, but for the culture as a whole, I want to figure out, Hey, what can I do to do my part? We can forever, you know, talk about all the things and systematic racism and things of that nature, but how can I intentionally and proactive bring about some real change so that life as my daughter will know it when she's an adult, right. it's a little different. And, and that's what kind of drives me, you know, but um, now, now that I know that you've, you know, you've, you've since transitioned to, to the Carolinas and you're in Charlotte now, correct? That's correct. Yes. Now, no, I, nine, and, nine months. <laughs> and, and now that's, you know, that's like West Virginia 2.0. Like as far as the, the multitude of people that I know who live in Charlotte yes. from West Virginia. Yeah. And shout out to Billy Hardy, you know, very prominent attorney who also um, attended West Virginia for law school. I believe he went to Marshall for undergrad, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so. Yeah. So he didn't even matriculate to West Virginia law school doing phenomenal in, in Charlotte. And there's a number of people that's doing, you know, phenomenal things. Um, you know, Dr. Sin, who um, was, was on Prepare for Takeoff. She's a proud West Virginia University graduate. But let me ask you, know, how has the Queen City, how has the Queen City treated you thus far? So far, so good. It has been, um, well, let me say this. I'm not new to Charlotte. My sister has lived here for over 20 years. So I was making the trek back and forth, you know, to Bluefield, back and forth, you know, Bluefield to Charlotte, Greensboro to Charlotte. I had made a pit stop in Greensboro for a couple of years, but um, it's, it's it's been good. It's diff It's a different kind of atmosphere, but not in a bad way. Like it's just a if I if I can use the word not to insult any other city in North Carolina, <laughs> but a little more advanced, I will say. Um, with me being in the fashion industry, I've been able to make more connections here. I had connections in Greensboro as well, both on the styling side and the modeling side, but I've been able to just reach out to more people probably quicker here in Charlotte than I was able to in Greensboro. So let's talk about that. You, you, you know, you set up my next question. So <laughs> you're an entrepreneur at heart and you know, you, you, you know, you now have, you know, a lot of um, legs, if you will. Um, in fashion. Now, how did that come about? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a quick backstory. As I mentioned, once I got fired from my pharmaceutical sales job, I started a business, not really because I wanted to or because that was something that I knew about, but because I had literally applied to 30, 40, maybe even 50 other pharmaceutical companies. And I would get to the top two, the top three, and I never got the offer. And again, one of those things that everything happens for a reason. That's because I wasn't meant to work for somebody else. It was time. And so I went into event planning 
from there, I kind of, I was doing birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, you know, that kind of thing. I decided I wanted to just do fashion events. And mm-hmm. so I kind of went in that direction. From there, I decided I wanted to do fashion styling. So I went and got a certification and all of that. And that is actually one of the businesses that I have right now, Five Star Iconic Luxe Style. It's a fashion premier agency that I now cater to women who are 5'9 and above, being 5'10 myself. And usually I'm I'm wearing heels all day, every day. So I'm 6'2 or, or taller, you know. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I kind of went that direction just because it incorporated a couple of the things that I love, you know, one being fashion. Two, I know all about the issues that tall women have when we're looking for pants that are long enough, when we're looking for sleeves that are long enough, you know, we're looking for a bodysuit or or something like that. And that's kind of how I got to where I am with that part of it. Um, I did model years ago, even back in college, and it wasn't something that I ever thought I would do on a professional level, but I did end up doing it. Before the pandemic, in my 40s, I started modeling again. I'm not in my 40s now. Before the pandemic, I was still in my 40s. <laughs> but um, so those two legs. And then the last part of it was I did do some uh, accessories designing as well, where I was doing handmade jewelry. So those are three of the, I guess, legs, as you call it, that I have in the fashion industry. And that's kind of how I got there. I started out with events and moved my way through a couple of different lanes and landed here doing the styling and so far so good. Now in Charlotte, now have, have you met any contemporaries or do you kind of have all of those facets of fashion kind of on lock, if you will, because those were very, and I and salute to you, those are very specific and intentional as it pertains to how you're showing up in fashion. Now, have you met any people who are, doing some of the same things as it pertains to catering to a specific audience as far as women five, nine and above and some of the other things you mentioned? Right. So right now, honestly, I'm only focusing on that part of it just because it's fairly new. And, you know, when you first start out with something, you got to kind of do your networking. You got to do your due diligence, so to speak, so that you can see who is out there. Um, I haven't met anybody else that's doing styling specifically for this specific niche but what i have done is met some people who work for different brands that cater to women so that for the same reason that i did because they had the issue that i had so i've been able to go out and do a lot of it has been online just because it's easier to do it you know through instagram through emailing but a couple of brands just to give a shout out to alloy and alice and olivia that's one of my favorite ones tjl collection that is a Black-owned brand, a Black woman-owned brand that does specifically for tall women. And so I've been able to, in just the research, there's a lot more out here than I realized in reference to catering to tall women, but still not nearly enough. And again, haven't seen anybody that's specifically doing styling for this group of women, which gives me a huge opportunity to, you know, go out. But of course, I can't service everybody. So, um, but it, it's been great just finding out what's there, what's not there, seeing some of the people that are having, you know, the same issues that I was having. And so Mm -hmm. it's been fun, but it's been good to be able to help other women because it's such, you know, we focus a lot, unfortunately, on the physical, on the outside, but 
at the same time, if we didn't focus on that, you know, I wouldn't have a business. But, you know, when you look good, you feel good. And that's the, the part that I like about it. Because once somebody's able to find something that fits and fits you the way that it's supposed to fit, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can walk your head's a little bit higher, you know, your shoulders are back and it's just a great feeling. And I, I see literally a transition with the women that I work with when that happens. Yeah. I mean, cause as, as you mentioned <laughs> that, I was like, wow, I bet you there's, there's, is one thing to be a black owned, um, an operated fashion, you know, consulting company, if you will, but to, but to have a specific audience that you're that you're catering to i said mm-hmm. she has to be in rare area especially in a place yeah. like charlotte so you have a huge advantage in a city like that where you can like really expand your reach throughout yeah. the carolinas now and when you mentioned five nine and above i can think of a group of women who are five nine and above and that's you know uh, the wnba <laughs> superstars yeah. that, that you know they're all on average five nine and above now have you have you had any legs in in that in that arena as as it pertains to w in, to the WNBA, let me say this: not yet. <laughs> but okay. I have a whole list of people that I keep saying I'm going to reach out to, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So not yet, but they are on my radar. <laughs> so WNBA ladies, if you're listening, I'm out here. Reach out, contact Terry, contact me because I'm here and ready to serve. But yeah, for sure, um, that was honestly one of the first groups that I thought about um, when I thought about potential clients, potential people that I could work with to just help them as well. Hold on a second. Okay. I'm going to cut all this out. Okay. Okay. I, I said, man, I'm coughing like a, I'm coughing up a lung. <laughs> and I heard it coming on. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you that same question. Okay. And let you and run. Excuse me. That sounds good. Oh man. I know. I, I heard it. You know what it is? I like, know the same thing. I felt it coming on. I said, okay, I don't want to cough. <laughs> I was doing like that, but I wasn't sure if that was yeah. deep rolling or what. So right, 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 right. <clears throat> okay, all right. <clears throat> so I'm going to go back to. Oh, no, hold on. Mm. Now the brother all teary eyed now because I'm coughing. <laughs> you have to get it together. Get yourself mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. We got the phone on charge. We good. <laughs> you good. You good. Okay, hold on. Let me see something. All right. Mm. You just tell me when so I can make sure right. I ain't up here. So, 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 so you ready now? You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Let me see. All right. Let me see what I'm going to say. What did I say? Um, I'll just go into it. Like I'm going to try to make it as close to what I said before. Probably won't be the same. But um, let me see. Yeah, so as you mentioned that you cater to a specific audience, five nine and above, and what comes to mind immediately is the WNBA. So, have you made any connections in with with the WNBA as a league? Not yet, but I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. I'm claiming it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were actually some of the first women that I thought about, because I'm sure that they have the same issues, even if it's just with the athletic wear, you know, one of the main problems was, and I'm sure the WNBA women can relate to this, sometimes having to get men's pants to get an inseam that was long enough. So to answer your question, no, not yet, but I'm claiming it because I want to 
put it out there that I'm a person that wants to work with these women, can work with these women, can relate to these women, you know, all of the things because there is a need. Because sometimes you don't want to wear men's pants. You don't always want to wear athletic wear. You know, we might want to wear a one-piece and, you know, just simple little things that other people don't think about. A one-piece swimsuit, I realized just this year, that's a tall girl problem to find a one-piece swimsuit. I used to always wear bikinis pre-COVID. And then I gained a couple of pounds and decided I was going to put on a one-piece. Well, I couldn't find a one-piece to fit because it wasn't long enough, you know, like because of the torso area. And it's just simple things that not the everyday person doesn't think about. But if you're in the middle of it and you've been living it all of your life like me and some of these WNBA women, I'm sure, can relate to the same thing, you know all of the things. Like I said before, the short sleeves, the short pants, the short torso, you know. There, I, the list goes on. The short coats, you know, it's supposed to be a three-quarter length. It's a this, you know, a mini skirt is a as a mini mini, you know. Right. So a lot of the things that, um, you know, I'll say regular average height women don't think about. We, it's an everyday issue, you know. For the longest time, I was like, when capri pants first came back, came well, came out and came back and whatever, you know, years ago. So I'm not wearing capri pants. I refuse to wear a pair of pants that are too short, too short on purpose. Like I'm not wearing too short pants, you know, on purpose. I mean, <laughs> right. All my life I've spent trying to find long pants. I'm not wearing those capri pants. So um, just it, that's just the background that I know that they can relate to. And hopefully that'll be something, you know, in the near future, work with the ladies from the WNBA so we can get this thing started. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's, 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 it's just a matter of making those connections. And, Absolutely. you know, one of the things that we have as an organization, we have, a you know, a plethora of relationships and contacts in entertainment and sports, some, some of which may be able to make that a reality. So, you know, I, if whatever we can do to help make that a possibility, <laughs> then, you know, just know, just knowing and, and, and understand and realize that I'm here for you. I'm, I'm willing to pour into you know, until your cup runs over. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean, because I believe in what you're doing. I believe in just your story. And, and and when you're dealing with somebody who they are a walking testament of what it is that they're offering to a client, then right. that's the best person to partner up with because you're not selling something. You're not offering something that you 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 can't relate to. You know, you're, you're, you're able to look at these women and say, I am you. And, and, and I've done this in a capacity, which it is scalable to the point yeah. where, Hey, maybe I've done it on a boutique level, but how would you want to be the face of what it is I'm doing? Like so many people, they have their own lines, whether you're, you're, um, you, you, you have a sneaker line. If you're an NBA player, you, you could be a rapper. Yeah. And you have your own sneaker line. So why can't you have your own one piece line right. <laughs> as, right. as, a, as a WNBA superstar? And, um, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to all of these women who are five, nine and older, five, nine and, and, and taller. You know, they want to they want to get fly. They want to pull up and and, 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 and they want to have options right. as, as we all do. And it's all about we live in a world of. Um, exclusive, you know, of, of, of inclusion, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's far too, and far too long was it where if you weren't the, if you didn't represent the masses, you weren't represented. 
Uh, I can remember before the days of BET, before the days of TV One, you, you know, it was by chance you would see somebody on television of color. So yeah. I'm sure the same way we felt in the 70s and 80s, you know, on until maybe the 2000s where it wasn't, as a long, you know, it, it, it wasn't as like the, it, it, you didn't have that aha moment when you seen somebody on television that looked like you. Now we can take that for granted, just like we can take for granted the black quarterback. There's about 14 or 15 black quarterbacks in the league. I remember that when you were, when it, if, if there was a black quarterback, mm-hmm. everybody was, they, they went from, you know, having a team that they cheered for forever to now cheering for that team. Whether you're talking Randall Cunningham, whether you're talking Warren Moon. So, and what that is, is because we didn't necessarily see us. Yeah. And that, and, and I'm sure these women, they don't see themselves. They don't, you know, they don't see these ad campaigns that caters to women who are five, nine and, and, and above. And then when they go to, um, you know, find items to choose from, whether online or in the stores, they're probably limited to A, B, or C. So yeah. shout out to you for giving them, you know, a, 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 a more expansive list of options to pick from. Yeah, thank you. And, and shout out to you for preparing for takeoff, you know, so that people like me and all of your other guests that have been on here can get this out here so that people do know about it. You know, we're talking about, you know, up and coming entrepreneurs and all of the people that you've had on before. Each one of us has had a very different story, but I can promise you once your listeners are listening, there is going to be somebody that relates to each one of us. So not just to my story where I'm talking about the tall women and, you know, building the confidence so that we can go out here and feel good about ourselves. But just a shout out to you. I appreciate you for having me on here to be able to share this, you know, just another opportunity to talk about it because that's the way that I've been getting the word out so far is really been word of mouth. You know, I'm on social media here and there, but we do things like this to get the story out there so that there's, you know, whether it's a little girl or a woman in the WNBA, because I've been this height since I was 11 years old. I've been tall. I've been this height for a long time. I've been having this problem for a long time. (laughs) Right, right. Well, this is what I will say. I mean, as as, as I mentioned, we're both proud West Virginia natives. And there's also some people with West Virginia roots that are WNBA royalty. Um, one of the people that comes to mind is Renee Montgomery. Okay. So Renee Montgomery is from St. Albans, West Virginia, which is five minutes from where I grew up. Yeah. And I know people who grew up in her neighborhood, grew up on, on her side of town, mm-hmm. and she's doing phenomenal things. You know, she is very entrenched in the WNBA team in Atlanta. and. I, I don't know. I, I I do know some people that have some some traction to her, um, but I I believe in embracing the possibilities. I believe that oh, anything yeah. is possible, and Me you too. if you don't believe it, then why should I believe it? Right. It, like if I don't, if you don't believe that 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 the WNBA teams throughout the country shouldn't be sh- shouldn't be um, clients of yours as far as their players, if you don't believe it, then why should I believe it? And all it takes is one person to say, you know what, this is a black owned and operated um, apparel line that we can launch together. Or this is you, you offer client services that 
no one else is offering. Yeah. And to distinguish yourself in such a manner, salute to you for that. You know, right. I, I mean, I, I couldn't be prouder because I believe that so many times people allow fear to rob them mm-hmm. of their purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very easy to get in your head and tell yourself what you can't do because there's enough people around you telling you you can't do it. And yeah. then on top of that, you don't see enough people doing what it is you want to do. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and haters all serve a purpose, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> haters can motivate you and then haters can derail you or, or discourage you. And you, we, we have to just, as I mentioned to people all the time, Angie, it's like, what is it that you really want to do? Cause if you really want to do it, nobody or nothing will stop you. If you're pursuing, if you're pursuing a destination, if you're pursuing the trappings of success, if you're, if you're, if you're pursuing the outcome of the hard work and not focusing on the hard work, then that success may not come because you're, you're, you're pursuing the, you're, you're pursuing the championship. You're pursuing the gold medal. You're, you're pursuing the Maybach or the red bottoms, but you didn't realize that in order for that person to get all of that, if it's basketball, they were in the gym uh, 12 hours a day. If it's someone like you or me, we put in our 10,000 hours when, when everybody else was sleeping, we right. put in the work. And, but the thing is, if this is what you really want to do, you'll do that. You know, um, it's, it, it's it, because it's, it, it will be in you mm-hmm. and no different than, we look the way we look, we're going to look like this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, so if it's something that you want to do and you've always, you seems like you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit in you and you're right. It's a God to say, let me remove this from her so that that, so that yet she can break through another glass ceiling. And I mean, and, and I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, you know what? I may have gotten laid off and yeah. now let me, put into perspective the why God allows, I'm a very spiritual person and I believe that God allows everything to happen for a reason. Yeah. And you, we have to just get to the why, why am I here? Why am I, why do I find myself at this place in my profession in, in my professional journey? Why do I find myself in this city or state and things aren't going necessarily the way mm-hmm. I, I want them to go. And it can even break down to why am I in this relationship? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. at, at the end of the day, God wants us to be happy. And I, that's why I want to continue to prepare people. I want to continue to prepare people to take off, not just professionally, but personally. And mm-hmm. I figured the best way to do that, Angie, is to find people who have distinct journeys that people can, can relate to. You know, people, everybody can't relate to the people that I spend a lot of time around, which are entertainers and public figures. They're like, well, that's not my reality. So it's cool that you're with this person on the red carpet. It's cool that you're with this person, whatever. I can't relate to that. Yeah. But there are people every day that represent black excellence. And there are people that are making a difference in the community every day. And they're not highlighted enough. And when, it, and when you talk of the media, like media is a powerful thing. It can yeah. be used for something that's positive or negative. 
And let's face it, even people who aren't melanated, if the only time they see us is catching a ball or dunking a ball or on the news mm-hmm. and they don't live with us, then that they're going to have a skewed perception of who we are as a people. I want to be able to change that narrative to the best of my ability. I understand and realize that there are stories that are best told that allow you to see them. I can show you better than I can tell you. And one of your sorority sisters who went to my school, Catherine Johnson, and keep in mind, as, 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 as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, I grew up down the street from the school and mm-hmm. I didn't know about her story. Yeah. I went to, I went to that school. My brother went to that school. My sister went to that school. Her s- sister taught my father in Greenbrier County. Oh, wow. Despite all of that, and then wait a minute, and then her chapter soror was her big sister when she was being initiated at New Chapter in West Virginia State. That and that and 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 that the reason why I referenced her is because her chapter soror who initiated her at West Virginia State watched me grow up at at my church in Charleston. Despite all of those things that I mentioned. I never knew that story until the movie Hidden Figures came out. So what does that tell you? That tells you the power of media. Fast forward, the the power of television and film. And fast forward, she has a statue on the campus now. Yeah. So now my daughter will know that story. You know, nieces and, you you know, nieces will know that story. Nephews will know that story. Because let's face it, we can all, whether you're a woman or a man, you can relate to a woman because a woman is how you got here. Yeah. And far too often, a woman is who raised you. And, you know, we want to continue to bring the family together. So you'll be raised by, you know, a, 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 a mother and a father. But everybody can relate to the journey of a woman. Yeah. And that's why I want to make certain on our platform we have equal representation you know we we're gonna you know we we, we want to salute the brothers we also want to salute the sisters because we all are doing phenomenal things and i want to be able to debunk the narrative that you can only achieve black excellence in these areas black excellence is something that's expansive and if i can help expand the the, the you know what that looks like i'm here for it yeah i couldn't agree more it, it's everywhere. And now is the time for exactly what you're doing because we see so much negativity in the media. So, you know, where are the people that are in the communities? Where are the people that are running the businesses, teaching in the schools and all of the things? We're here. You just don't see us. If it's a good story, you don't see it as often as you do when it's a not so good story. So I love the fact that you are putting the good stories out here, letting us share our message, share our stories, giving us a chance to just, like you said, be able to talk to somebody that can relate just to our stories. Again, as I said, I've been this hype since I was a little girl. Like I can just remember all the stories one time, you know, going trick-or-treating and somebody saying, she's too old to be out here. You know, I stopped trick-or-treating. I don't even know what age I was because this lady hurt my feelings so bad. You know, because she said I was too old because she thought I was older because I was tall. There are so many stories out here that we can relate to and other people can relate to. 
but at the same time know that you can get through it and it doesn't end there. Like this, she went through that too. Oh, I know exactly how she felt and all of the things, but look at her now. Mm-hmm. Look what she's doing and look how that turned out. And it may not happen overnight and it may not be the first decision, you know, I started out with event planning. Somebody else might have started out with, you know, a boutique or whatever. But that's the good thing. That's the beauty about it. These stories that you're sharing and your guests are sharing also are telling about how we've made a decision, but then we changed our mind or something better came along or the opportunity looked better if you did it this way. You know, people get to see that as well and can relate to it might start out this way, but it's not going to end up. This is how it started. This is where we are now. Now, again, that sets up my next question. <laughs> so, now, and I know that you worked in corporate for an extensive period of time. And, and I was, obviously you touched on how you as an entrepreneur, you have um, been able to successfully transition into fashion. Have you found a way to kind of tie those two worlds together professionally? Uh, in reference to corporate and entrepreneurial? Right, as far as, you know, whether employment opportunities, consulting opportunities, or whatever that might consist of. Uh, Yes, actually, I have. Um, So I'm looking into doing a couple of different things, but one of the main ones is now going out and speaking, not just in corporate America, but also on a college level. And my idea behind that is when we have our students who are in college and they get ready to go out for a job interview, or they get ready to go out into corporate America because not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. You know, some people are going to go out and, you know, work out, work in corporate America, just talking to the students on a level where they know what to wear to the job interview, how to dress professionally, you know, after they get the job. Here are a few of the basics that you'll need just to get started because we don't always have money when we're getting started either. So that's one of the things that I've been doing is looking into the colleges, talking to the career centers and those sort of things. I'm not yet going into corporate America doing the same thing, but the opportunity is there as far as just image coaching for how to dress. We don't always have the outfit that we're going to wear on casual Friday, but it's Tuesday. (laughs) You know what I mean? We don't always have the well, we, we have that option, but we shouldn't have that option because sometimes mm-hmm. you go into these businesses and you're not really sure who works there because you can't tell by the way that they look. And if it's one of the industries, like we mentioned before, law, you know, you mentioned um, Billy Harding. If you're going into his law office, he doesn't want everybody to running around in their sweats. So that is definitely an opportunity out there. But because I want to focus on getting my tall women together and my young people together, Mm -hmm. I'm starting there and then I'll just move up. Right. I mean, I I see the landscape. I see all what it's funny because everything you just mentioned were the things that was running through my mind. I'm like, wow, like there's I've, I've literally just had a conversation last week as it pertains to a lot like we want our kids at HBCUs and PWIs who are melanated to be able to take full advantage of all the opportunities that are out there. Mm-hmm. But you have to show up prepared for takeoff. Right. right. <laughs> and, exactly. And if exactly. you aren't prepared, you, you, you're going to get left, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're not going to take off nowhere, but 
you know, somewhere that is going to be further, even, even more discouraging, like, oh, wow, so maybe that plane ain't for me. No, the plane is for you, but you're not dressed apart. Right. And perception is reality. Think about it. What we're talking about, perception is reality in the sense that when they see people, they mean people who aren't melanated and you come into an office and there's only a handful of people who are melanated, they may have a perception of uh, of, of African-Americans. They may have a perception of Latino Americans and, and that perception may not be positive. All they need is for you to substantiate what they're thinking to justify, yeah. you know, marginalizing the possibilities of you being able to succeed in that environment. But if we can show you how to show up and then after you show up and secure that opportunity in question, now this is how you continue to ascend because we don't want you to just get the job. We want you to yeah. excel at the job. Yeah. And, and, and really what it is, let's face it, Angie, none of us come here pre-programmed. Right. And we know what we know because somebody took the time to teach us. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, far too often, people who get out of these circumstances as they know them, whether they whether they leave the holla, whether they leave the shanty, whether they leave the projects, whether they leave, you know, that um that walk up, they don't come back. Yeah. They don't come back. And we have to be willing to come back. And and whatever it is we found in our and, and, and you know on our travels, we need to be, get people to understand and realize, hey, there are a ton of opportunities that are out there for the taking. And for all those who are interested in being in being successful, and they need a pathway to get them from point A to point Z, I'm here for it. Because let's face it, you can't save everybody. You can you 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 can drown trying to save the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we, we want to save those who want to be saved because let's, let's face it. We are all in need of an opportunity, myself included. I may be at a completely different place professionally than someone that's still in college and somebody that's two or three years, five years, 10 years removed from college. But the same way they're in need of an opportunity. We're all in need of an opportunity, myself yeah. included. Yeah. You know, so in closing, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Like okay. the first question is, what is the most difficult thing um, that you found in being an entrepreneur? Well, um, I will say the financial part of it. And what I mean by that is sometimes you'll have months where you're, you know, rolling with the clients, rolling in the dough. You're so busy, you don't know what to do with yourself. And then the next month, you might have one or two people. And one of my mentors, um, <clears throat> what was it she used? It was a phrase, uh, feast and famine. And just talked about how you literally were going from one extreme to the other. So one of the things that I am now focused on that I've learned just through experience is not something that usually happens overnight, but just through experience is just learning how to keep that even. Yeah. And part of keeping that even is having that more than one stream of income. So I have my clients that I'm doing work for, and I mentioned talk, talking to different groups and doing the speaking opportunities. So just keeping it to where I have a consistent flow 
of income. And I think that has been one of the hardest lessons to learn, one of the longest lessons to learn, but it has been one of the best lessons that I have learned. Mm -hmm. sure. Now, <clears throat> if, if there's a little girl, a little boy that's in Bluefield and, 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 they're, and they're like, you know what? I want to prepare for takeoff. I want to figure out how I can matriculate to WVU or Virginia Tech or whatever the case may be. Like, what advice would you give them as it pertains to not only matriculating into college, but having a successful career like you've had? Yes. Um, one thing is for sure, believe in yourself. You know, you mentioned before that sometimes people are talking bad or, you know, negative things about you, but you can't, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else can do that for you. Believe in yourself, stay committed. And take advantage of the resources. That is one of the biggest things. That was why I was able to succeed at WVU, to be honest, after getting there and not really knowing anything about anything, not even knowing what I didn't know. You know, like sometimes you don't know what you don't know. But I took advantage of the resources at the Center for Black Culture and Research. They had a orientation class just for the minority freshman students that were coming in called Paskey at the time, took advantage of that and just went through and whatever was available, I took advantage of it. So that is a huge part of it. Just if you don't know where to find it, just keep asking. Somebody there knows and there are teachers there that got me through as well. So I'm sure that there are still some teachers there that are looking to help those students get out of Bluefield because that's what a lot of people want to do. And so you got to believe in yourself, take advantage of the resources, Find the resources, you know, so that you can move on, move up, take off. Like you said, take off, prepare for takeoff and 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 get, you know, go where you want to go, whether that's go to college and come back to Bluefield or whatever that might be. But know that you can do it. Absolutely. And um, you know what? I couldn't have said it any better. And lastly, what I want to know is how can people find you on social media? What's your company website? How can they pull up on you to make certain that they can get even more of this good game that you put me up on as well as my viewers and listeners? They may want more of that. I, they may be a five, nine woman saying, listen, you know what? I'm in new, I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I, and I need to get some of that good game. <laughs> or I may be in the South Bronx or I may be in Toronto you know, Ontario, how can they find you? Absolutely. You can find me a couple of different places. My website is AngelaBrownInternational.com. You can also find me on Instagram. My handle there is Five Star Luck Style. And it's the same thing on Facebook, Five Star Luck Style. So Facebook.com slash Five Star Luck Style. Cool. And, and, and plug that website one more time. I want to make sure that they, 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 they know how to find that as well. AngelaBrownInternational.com. There you go. Angela Brown. Look, and you are international, truly. <laughs> and salute we'll to you. It there. Oh, absolutely. Listen, you know what? I, I Once again, I want to thank you for making some time for us because I know you're a busy person and, and, I, and I definitely understand the, you know, the, 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 the importance of juggling a multitude of different things to generate those multiple streams of income. And, and that comes with work. There's been so many hours in a day and there's never enough of them. So I'm sure if that's my reality, I'm sure that's also your reality. So thanks for giving us, you know, some, some of your time and, and whatever, again, whatever we can do 
to help you identify some of these opportunities, especially um, especially with the WNBA. If whatever I can do to make that reality, you, you know, a hundred percent, you got that. You know, ten toes down, I'm gonna stand with you. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you having me on, Terry. I will definitely take you up on that offer. Keep doing what you're doing. I think this is fabulous. It's a great opportunity for your listeners. It's a great opportunity for your guests as well. So thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, listen, more than welcome, man. Let's say, hey, whatever we can do. And we might have, to have, even, have you come back for a part two. I mean, because I'm, I'm oh, sure definitely. we're just scratching the surface. And, and, and I want people to, you know, not feel like, all right, you know, that this is all the game you have to give. This is just chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so listen, uh, we have to, you know, we, we, we have to continue to, you know, expand on all of these possibilities that we discussed and then show people, hey, this is what this is what Angela was, was speaking of in, you know, when she first sat down with us. And now what she mentioned is a reality. Now she's working with 10 WNBA players. Now she has a, she has a collection in Foot Locker. Listen, let's claim it. I'm, I'm, all, it. I'm all about claiming I'm, it. Yeah, go ahead and put me on your calendar. Let's just it. <laughs> let's make it happen. Absolutely. Well, look, and for everybody that's watching and listening, I just wanted to thank you for taking some time to um, just uh, really, really em embrace all of this Black excellence that that, that you were able to witness today. Um, you know, she's phenomenal. She's continuing to soar to, to, to new, new heights. And she's not alone. Every week, we have proven professionals and rising entrepreneurs who are the epitome of Black excellence. We're, we're all about, we're, we're all about, I can't say it enough. We're, we're, we're all about preparing those to take off by way of amplifying black excellence. So what, and, and how can you find us? You can find us on all of your major platforms, whether that's Amazon music, whether that's audible, whether that's iHeart, whether that's Pandora, whether that's um, Google, Google podcast, whether that's the list goes on, you can, you, you wherever you see fit to consume, prepare for takeoff. I'm sure we're there. And, and we will always be here dropping new episodes every Wednesday at 7 a.m. So when you're getting getting ready for work, you know, go on Pandora, go on uh, Apple Podcasts, go on iHeart, any of your favorite platforms, we're there. And, you know, to be more specific to find us, because I want to make certain that you're not on the wrong Prepare for Takeoff podcast, make sure you put Prepare for Takeoff and put my name, Terry L. Cyrus, in, and I want to make certain that you get to the right destination. And to make certain that you get to the right destination, it's real simple. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button. If you hit the subscribe button, you will get alerts about all of the new episodes that we drop every week. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We're going to always continue to help you prepare for takeoff. Thanks for joining us.